Good morning, happy Wednesday, and welcome to the daily Bible wrap-up for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Trying something a little bit different today, and that is that this is going out on the live stream on two Twitter channels. The Twitter account for this podcast, the Daily Bible Wrap-Up, and also for Second Chance Publishing. We'll see how this works out, and if this becomes a feature, then you can always catch that this live stream at 7.15 Central every morning. But first, I want to see how well this test works. If you want to go back, you can go to those two accounts, subscribe to one, follow one, or both of them, and you'll have it there as well. Technology is so much fun. And we start today in Psalm 59. Now, this psalm is about the time that Saul sent soldiers to watch David's house to kill him. Political leaders are often persecuted, a quote from the psalm. Fierce enemies are, are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. You know, we are called to pray for our leaders, especially the, when they're facing politically motivated prosecution, which unfortunately seems to happen nowadays. At least maybe I'm seeing it more, but more often. Moving over to John 6, we're in verse 25. So remember, the crowd is following Jesus. This is the day after the feeding of the 5,000. They want to find him. They went across the lake to follow him. But Jesus says that they're only following him because he fed them, not because they understood what the miraculous sign meant. And I believe Jesus is, of course, referring to the fact that he fed them with basically five loaves of bread and two fish and had significant leftovers. He says that they are called to, quote, believe in the one he has sent, meaning God. But the people asked for miracle for proof. And, and again, didn't he just provide that miracle the night before? Lots of leftovers from that, or as my mother would say, reloads. But the people say that, no, they want something like Moses gave them manna. But Jesus reminded them that manna came not from Moses, but from God. Jesus then says he is the bread of life. He says, quote, the will of God that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but I should raise them up on the last day. This is the hope, our hope, as Christ followers. The crowd begins to reject the notion that Jesus came from heaven, though, because they know it. it's like, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? son? And he, that's he's just a carpenter. It's like, but then Jesus, he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. Yeah, I've spoken about this before, that it, it's difficult when you see loved ones who are closed off. They're not believers. They're not open to the idea. And I often wonder, have I done enough? And I'm reminded in this passage that we alone can't initiate that call in others' hearts. 
But as believers, we can be there for them. But the Spirit must come from them first and from God. But God can, and I'm sure does often, use us to draw others to Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing. So we can be witnesses. We can be encouragers. We can be listeners. We should always be open and looking for opportunities to help others in their faith walk. I look back on my faith walk and there were others along that path that at the right time, they were there when my heart was ready. But if they were there when my heart wasn't ready, I wouldn't have noticed. And there probably were many that I didn't notice. But preaching to one with a closed heart does not work. Quote from Jesus, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. End quote. So a lot of this passage is Jesus explaining that he is the bread of life. You believe in him and you will have eternal life. He uses the imagery of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And I think that that gets a little bit confusing. I never believed that this was a visual, literal thing that Jesus is saying for obvious reasons. Although in Catholicism, Catholics believe that when the priest lays their hands over the communion host and the wine, that it is magically transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Literally, I remember asking a priest, well, if I took the wine and examine it under a microscope, would I see blood after it was changed? I don't exactly remember the priest's answer, except for that, that the impression that I got is that it's more about faith and believing and that you're accepting Jesus into you. It is a symbolic method of we we eat and drink to sustain our earthly life. We need to eat and drink of what Jesus is telling us to believe in him, to have and sustain that eternal life. <clears throat> so it's a little bit difficult because I think that folks really get hung up on, on the literalism here. And this is an area that I'd like to return to, to study. And somewhere I have the catechism of the Catholic church, and I'd like to see exactly where the notion of the transformation of the bread and wine, the host and the wine uh, comes into play. And I would suspect that probably it comes from this passage in John. That's for another day. We're going to turn now to the Old Testament. We're in Judges 10. So we have a lot of this now. We're, we're, we've got judges being raised up and, as I said before, rescuing Israel, and then Israel falls backwards, then another, another judge. And <clears throat> so a lot of this is a history lesson over quite some time. So Tola from the tribe of Issachar becomes judge for 23 years. Then Jair from Gilead becomes judge for 22 years. Then the Israelites did evil. 
serving images of Baal, abandoned the Lord, and the Lord turned them over to the Amorites and the Philistines who oppressed them for 18 years. They also attacked tribes west of the Jordan. So eventually, as the pendulum shifts, the Israels do cry out to the Lord. But the Lord this time first says that he won't help rescue them. And that you get the impression it's just like, okay, I, I, I keep coming. I keep rescuing you. And then you keep turning away from me. But this time the Israelites pleaded. Notice every time, though, that the Lord's punishment or distance grows each time the people turn away, or it seems that way. I think we will see that increase more and more, I believe, as we go through. <clears throat> but in this case, the Lord was, quote, grieved by their misery. So in Judges 11, we start Jephthah of Gilead. He was cast out as a son of a prostitute but gained a, quote, band of worthless rebels following him. So I guess he he was a natural leader, and he could assemble folks even in the uh, most trying of circumstances. And it was at about this time that the Ammonites began the war against Israel. So the people, I guess that they couldn't find anybody else. They appealed to Jephthah, who is an outcast, but obviously seems to have some significant leadership abilities to lead Israel into battle. And and in return, if he's victorious, Jephthah would become ruler over Israel. Now, some political diplomacy discussions follow. Jephthah noticed that, noted that Israel has been living in this land, the land that their God, the Lord, gave them. They've been living now if you've been following, there's been a lot of years that have transpired. They've been living there now for 300 years. So a lot of time is transpiring very quickly in, in, in Judges. Now the king of Ammon rejected all this. Fighting ensured. Jephthah said that, Lord, as a sacrifice, if you give me victory, I will sacrifice to you the first thing that comes out to greet me when I return back to my house. He's most obviously thinking of whichever animal comes out to greet him, which is typically what would happen in these sorts of circumstances. He wasn't precise enough with his words, and his daughter came out celebrating first. And this distressed Jephthah because he had made a vow in front of the Lord, to the Lord. And his daughter, to her credit, said, you've got you to follow through on what you had pledged. Now think about what she's saying. She's like, yes, dad, offer me as a living sacrifice. Kill me. You have to because you pledged. But first... Let me go hang out for a couple of months with my friends and weep in the hills because I'm going to die a virgin. And that's exactly what happened. So she did that. And then she came back two months later and Jephthah sacrificed her. This has reflections a bit of what at least reminded me about what Abraham almost did to the sacrifice of Isaac and, and shows Jephthah's faith here. It's a disturbing passage. 
but I think that the faith aspect is what the come away is. Still, I would have liked to have seen something similar happened that happened with Abraham where a, a another sacrifice is found and presented at the last minute. But that's me. Anyway, that's it for this morning. By the time you're listening to this, you will know whether or not, if you're listening on the Twitter channels, whether or not that this was successful or not. But for me, it's still a little bit of time before that goes out there. So I'm not really sure. Tomorrow, I will let you know what the result was and whether or not maybe this will be something I'll continue as far as putting it out on Twitter. But that's it for today. I hope you live today as if the king is coming back today. Take care.